welcome to the Gridiron Show. Back again for another week. Me, Will Gavin, Simon Clancy, Gridiron's Features Editor, and my main man for the podcast, Ollie Hunter. How are we doing, boys? Yeah, we good. We good. Uh, he threw out his little Aaron Rodgers straight away, didn't he? Hey, Simon, do you want to tell us the story about how he gave you a... a cheeky little smirk in london last weekend it's nice to say we carried on our outstanding friendship both in person at the grove and then uh the lovely little smirk which i've got the little smile really when he he knew it was me so literally that's probably the best thing that's happened to the packers uh and simon clancy and myself over the last couple of sundays because it's been pretty pretty bad for both of our teams hasn't it Simon. All of our teams, buddy. Yeah. All oh, of yeah. Our teams. All of our teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, uh, we now we've moved the show to a Tuesday, mixing it up a little bit. We will do a little bit of reaction to week six. There are plenty of topics for us to sink our teeth into, including a Monday night football game, which had a real Thursday night football je ne sais quoi to it uh, overall, especially in terms of the offensive performances. Uh, we'll look at some of the relevant storylines going into next weekend, preview Thursday night football and look forward to next weekend. Plus, we'll take your questions, which you can give us now on Twitter if you're watching live at Gridiron. You'll find us there uh, or you can go on the YouTube link, watch the live stream on there. A couple of people already saying hello via the YouTube comments. Lee, Joe, Hello to you guys. Joe Wes just says Cy Clancy gang with the kind of, you know, pumping iron emoji. Understandable. Uh, Understandable. Famous gym rat Simon Clancy. I mean, (laughs) mate, come on. What? What's the problem? I mean, nothing. It got really, <laughs> really defensive <laughs> really quickly then. That was meant to was... some horrendous slant by uh, my ability to, to bench press 225 pounds 46 times. But I, I'm going to let it fly, Will. I'm going to let it fly. Uh, look, I, I mean, if there's anyone who shouldn't be commented in any way, shape or form on other people's fitness, it's definitely <laughs> me. So... <laughs> Look, an interesting week six for all of us, as you said. A bit miserable on the field. Uh, Gridiron, we were representing up at the 49ers watch party up in Leeds this weekend. Ollie Connolly was there alongside me. We did some fun games on stage, did some giveaways. Like, I know that it hasn't been announced yet, but the Bears are planning to do a London watch party coming up for one of their games at Flatiron Square. So there's going to be a similar event down in London in the not-too-distant future. And it, it was, honestly, it was fantastic. A good 300-odd fans, like, dedicated for the event turned up plus a load of other people who took a passing interest and got involved they did free giveaways they had towels and t-shirts and scarves and everything to give away plus they had signed balls from a bunch of players as well which they did a raffle for like a free raffle but end of each quarter giving away like a ball signed by fred warner and patrick willis and yeah just they really threw themselves behind it they brought over cult hero Joe Nedney, who uh, Simon Clancy will remember, of course, the incident against the New Orleans Saints where he managed to get himself fined $7,500 by just as a fan was giving him a little bit of abuse after they decided to go for a field goal. Just just rubbed his middle finger over the back of his helmet in the direction of the fan, (laughs) which obviously I had to ask him about. But he said afterwards he was astonished. when he got asked by the 49ers, like, we'll fly you over. You'll go to this watch party in Leeds. We'll take you to the Leeds United game. He was thinking it was going to be, you know, like 50 fat nerds like me in a small room, quietly watching the game, not having necessarily a huge amount of knowledge. And he was blown away by the scope of the event, by the atmosphere. If only it had been a 49ers win, it would have been absolutely phenomenal. But it was pretty good Joe, without um, any way. Joe Nedney, beloved and or hated and beloved by fans of Kansas City. Do you know why? 
Go on. Well, I think I'm right in saying Mike might have to check this out. Whilst uh, I think back in uh, 2000, 1999, something like that, he kicked an overtime field goal that knocked the Chiefs from playoff contention. And then the following year or a few couple of years later, he then kicked a game winner at the end of regulation or maybe in overtime to knock the Broncos out of playoff contention and put the Chiefs into the wild card. I think Mike might have to check that, but I think that's I think that was part of Joe Nedney's legend, along with the um, unfortunate finger incident. Uh, he told me that he, he bartered the fighting down from 10 grand to seven and a half grand, though. So uh, he was really good fun. He was really just like Jermaine Beckford was weirdly there. And Joe Nedney spent like two quarters of the game just with his arm around Jermaine Beckford, talking him through the NFL. And uh, it's just it was just a really, really good event and really good fun. So uh, Plus, they're going to do it again. Fans got, fans got a bit of you, Will, uh, you, Ollie and, and Phoebe. I mean, what's, what's not to love about that? Sky were there. Phoebe Schecht was there. I mean, undoubtedly, the most noise of any of it went for the Phoebe Schecter shout out. And I have to say, we were responsible for at least four different occasions where we were on stage doing some kind of presentation and noticed Sky had gone live. And then if you watched the live broadcast, you'll have noticed it got particularly rowdy at a few points because we essentially encouraged people to go and use of them. Not very nice human beings as a general rule. Uh, let's get into week six. Uh, we're going to start off. With, you've put you've put little titles on these, producer Mike, and I don't know whether you want me to use these or not. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a go. Uh, as with every great play, we're gonna start off with the snap. Our one week six memory of note from each of us. Uh, look, I want to start off looking at Monday Night Football because uh, I got in last night and ended up watching a good amount of the first quarter, and then fell asleep and woke up and watched a good amount of the fourth quarter and overtime. And it is truly astonishing to me that how poorly both of these offences are performing at the moment. I mean, decent defensive performances on both sides, but there were a few points, particularly with the Broncos, where there have been three or four drives this year, like the game-winning drive against San Francisco, the touchdown drive in the first quarter or second quarter of this game last night, where Russell Wilson has done Russell Wilson things. He's got outside the pocket or he's stepped up under the pressure. He's thrown deep down the field. The touchdown drive had two completions over 25 yards. Outside of that, he was averaging something like four yards through the air on the passes he was making. And I think after the touchdown drive, I think he went five of 18 for a net of about 54 yards once you took the sacks into it as well. And I just don't understand how poorly this scheme is coming together with the quarterback. I think last week we talked about and compared it a little bit to like, you know, when Manning first turned up in Denver and they tried to impose a scheme on him or when Brady and Arians didn't agree at first there. But I I can't quite figure out if it's Russell Wilson wanting to stay in the pocket for his health and to redesign the kind of player he is or whether it's something that Hackett's trying to put on him. But right now you spent $245 million on a guy who is performing like a bottom five quarterback in the NFL. And that's somebody's fault. I think they've spent 245 million on a, on the wrong quarterback because the quarterback they really wanted was obviously Aaron Rodgers because that was part of the deal. What they haven't done is incorporate any of what Russell Wilson does best into the Nathaniel Hackett offense. And I think Tom Brady said it the other day about bad play. I think it's indicative around the league. You look around the league at... You know, certainly on offense, you know, you look at the Rams, you look at Arizona, and we'll get into all of this. You look at Green Bay, you look at um, a little bit of Cincinnati. You know, there are teams around the league, and obviously the two teams last night were offensively, just schematically, 
it's so bad. It looks so high school. Like the Arizona Cardinals offense is a high school offense being run by Cliff Kingsbury. But I just think that they, what I think Nathaniel Hackett has to do, because I, I'm sure it's Hackett and I'm sure, I, I think they need to sort of get some of their video analysts to go and find like the 50 best plays that, that Russ ran in Seattle and incorporate them into that offense because it's just not working. But it's all not, also not working with spacing. It's not working schematically. I just don't like you look at the Chargers last night. You've got the the absolute weapon that is that is Justin Herbert. I know Keenan Allen is out, but it seems like their offense was predicated either on sort of quick screens or throwing the ball at or behind the the line of scrimmage to Josh Palmer and expecting Palmer to then you know either beat his man one on one or fall in behind a couple of blockers and and try and pick up yardage. I I, I saw the stat line at one point. I think he had nine catches for fifty yards, and you're just thinking like, how is this isn't this isn't an offense that's working. I just think it's there's a knock-on effect around the league of just really poorly executed offensive play. But I think it comes back to the scheming, and I think that's exactly what's happening in Denver. I just don't think Nathaniel Hackett gets it. I don't think he gets how to get the best out of Russell Wilson. And I'm not I'm certainly not, you know, removing Wilson from any blame, but he started strongly. But you look at what they do with Jerry Judy, for example. You know, you go back and look at what Jerry Judy did so successfully at Alabama in terms of his play, in terms of his quick feet, in terms of his his get-off-the-line packages, his his route combinations, the fact that, you know, you can work him underneath, a bit like Miami's done with Jalen Waddle, a bit like Philadelphia did with Devontae Smith. You know, you can incorporate some of those Alabama plays, the ones that Brian Dayball ran and Steve Sarkeesian ran, to get the ball to Jerry Judy. It seems like every single snap, Judy's running 30, 40 yards downfield. It, uh, it makes no sense to me. I, I, I just really don't understand it. And then they, they bench Melvin Gordon. And it's like, well, who's running the ball? Then there was a period of time when Russ was just sort of controlling the ball at the mesh point and then just setting off and running himself. And then they brought Mike Boone in all of a sudden. As it, and Boone sort of caught, caught every pass, had every run. It was just like, you know, he's not played for three and a half quarters. It just feels like there's a real kind of, it just feels so discombobulated. But I don't think they're the only team that, that's doing it. I think you pick eight, ten teams around the league where just the play calling, the scheme, the switch releases, all of those things just just aren't working. And it's I, I really don't understand what's happening in Denver. And they, they're just wasting, you know, uh, because I don't think Russell Wilson became a bad quarterback overnight. I just think they're wasting what whatever talent they have. And, you know, you look at the job that's being done on defense, that defense is absolutely outstanding. But the offense mm-hmm. cannot. I mean, the defense is as good as there is in the league. The offense just can't get anything going, and I'm sure it's schematic rather than Russell falling off a cliff and it being. He's only 34. It's not like he's, you know, he's not 45 or something. He should still have good five, six, eight years left in him. But I don't know what you think, Ollie. But I just thought they would, you know, just felt so all over the place last night. And it's across the board, isn't it? And I think, um, I think it's it shows that there are teams that have gone into the regular season with an idea of how they want to play and not really thought about how that fits with their first teamers. So, all right, this may have worked in in preseason with the second, third string guys, but you come into into proper football and it's not working. And they either haven't adjusted well or they haven't they don't know how to to get out of the funk that they that they're in. This is this is indicative across the board. You can you've seen it with with the Chargers, why aren't the Chargers doing what they did last year in in throwing the ball deep? I know, Will, you put a, a, a nice stat in the group about how Justin Herbert, I think, is second worst in throwing the ball deep or second, has the second least amounts of throwing the ball deep. That's what he's good it's, at. He's got an amazing arm. Just use it, that. I know he doesn't it, have Allen, but Allen's not your deep guy. 
It's one of those, uh, you know, newfangled analytic stats, the A dot, uh, average depth of target, which isn't that new, but uh, you know, four the bottom four in the league right now in terms of average depth of target that they're throwing to are Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow, you know, guys who threw deep last year. Of course, as we've just mentioned, uh, the situation that's going on right now with Justin Herbert in Los Angeles, and then Bailey Zappi, and that's a scheme thing with Bailey Zappi. That's something that they are specifically doing to protect a third-string quarterback. So for guys who are qualifying, you've got three people who were all in the conversation for MVP last year, and part of it was how good and varied their offenses were and how well they threw the ball deep and all... And actually, Stafford's a prime example of how they did a good job of it last year. Of a new quarterback came into a scheme and they worked the scheme around the quarterback and his skills and his abilities. And actually, this year, they've tried to mesh his abilities with what they did previously in Los Angeles. And there has been a talent drop off, but also it's not working. They need to go back to doing what he does so well. There was one other thing I wanted to call out about last night's game. And this isn't me having a dig at Russell Wilson because this is a mistake that you know, many quarterbacks make and it's a mistake that can happen at any time in a game and you might misread or might have seen something on film which they present differently. There might be a really good disguise or something. But I just, Troy Aikman uh, for the fourth sack, for the for the, the second uh, for uh, Drew Tranquil, absolutely like railed out the left tackle and the left guard for completely missing the blitz pickup when it was very clearly a protections issue. And Wilson had told them, to focus that they one on one, they they you literally saw him before the snap telling them to slide left to focus on that side, and they slid left, and a huge gap opened up, and Drew Tranquil just ran through the middle, and it was like blink and you miss it is an often an overstated phrase. You literally could have blink blinked and missed Drew Tranquil from his get off to hitting Russell Wilson. It was Russell, so quick. Russ, but, Russ should like there were two free rushers on that play. Jeremy, mm-hmm. like, through through the A gap on the other side. Uh, Derwin James came through, so the the back picked that up. But it's that, that's high school level stuff. Like Russ should be either changing the protection or bringing in a tight end because you could see Tranquil obviously was coming on the blitz, but there was a delayed blitz from from Derwin James. The back goes and picks up James and and whiffs on him, but Tranquil literally. I mean, how, who? How is that not being picked up? And that's my point. And I just thought it was like Troy Aikman is a former quarterback. Let's teach people how those protections work and how those things should be picked up and seen pre-snap. And I just felt it was a little bit harsh to go after two guys who actually did their job and beat their man one-on-one on the edge, but left a huge gap in the middle because the protections were so wrong. But like the back, the back has Drew Twank, should have Drew Twank. Drew, easy for me to say. Drew, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's a rookie wide receiver is my personal yeah. one. Don't worry, mate. It's tough. But the the right guard inexplicably slides across to 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 double the 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 edge, and he just and leaves Derwin James free as well. So the back then decides to pick up James because it's closer to him. But it's just this is high school level stuff in terms of the ineptitude. I just I just don't understand it, and and that that can't be. Nathaniel Hackett that has to come from Russell Wilson and it has to come from the center I just don't uh, that just make that you know Lloyd Cushenbury and, and Wilson need to sort that out that can't be a coaching thing or at least it can't be a coaching thing at the time that has to be sorted by the quarterback in the center it just it just baffles me uh let's go to Ollie Hunter for his why like when I went hard on Monday Night Football what's your one week six memory of no Ollie 
Well, I was in Luxembourg this weekend. I drew, drove over to uh, to Luxembourg um, and came back on the one of the last trains on on. Uh, okay, can I just ask what for? Ah, just, just for a little weekend away. It's, it was beautiful. Um, you know, you can I've been to Luxembourg twice and 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 never experienced anything like that would suggest it as a weekend break destination. But well, just it intrigued. A, it was autumn. The, the 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 leaves are changing. It's it's really pretty. It was a, it was a lovely, nice trip. I'd never been to Luxembourg, so it's another country to tick off the list. So as I was coming back through northern Belgium, I would say Benelux. We didn't go through through the Netherlands um but not through northern Belgium I was listening to Talksport 2's coverage of um of the six o'clock game which happened to be luck would have it or unlucky would have it for me uh Packers versus the Jets and um I'd, I'd, I'd love to get Simon's views on on why it's so bad for the Packers on all sides of the ball for my t- two penneth worth before you have a go Simon um the, and I've I've watched the game back. The the Packers look soft on both sides of the ball. The offensive line is porous. It's not working. Elgin Elton Jenkins is it doesn't look the same guy from his um, ACL in issues or ankle issues last year. Um, back to Yari. All right, he played almost the whole game, save for the last drive uh, when they brought in Jordan Love. Um, so the offensive line looks awful. The the, the they look soft. The defense looks soft. Joe Barry hasn't got it right in six games. And this all started, and it all started with the inexplicable decision not to uh, man-mark, to go man-coverage onto uh, Justin Jefferson, and it hasn't gotten any better since then. Um, Schematically, he's getting beaten each and every week. And I think maybe Matt LaFleur has been found out a little bit because... Offensively, it looks so turgid and dirge, and um, it's a worrying trait. Has Rogers regressed? I don't know. Um, what's going on, Simon? What are your thoughts on on the pack? Uh, it's difficult. I think you know, <laughs> it is difficult because I do you, think know, do you know what the New York Jets played really well. By they the did. way, and let's just say that they're, they're three and zero, and in the last three weeks, and three and zero on the road, and fair play to them. But let's talk about the Packers' problems because they are. I think that the Packers uh, look broken in all three aspects of the uh, of the field. I think special teams have been a struggle. It was a struggle last week against the Giants. They obviously had the block punt. They had a field goal deflected. As good as Rich Passaccia is, it's still an issue. Um, I, I think defensively, you touched on it, Joe, I, I just don't think Joe Barry's scheme is working. I don't understand Joe Barry's scheme because you've got one of the top four or five cover corners in the league in Jair Alexander, but you're playing him as a zone cover man the entire time. That makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. But also, you know, I think they miss Darius Smith a little bit in terms of the rotation, in terms of him being able to come in and uh, and their ability to get home with four. Um, you look at someone like Devondre Campbell, who was an all-pro last year, who I think missed like four tackles the entire season. I think he's missed nine tackles in six games, which is, you know, which is an issue. I, I, I think Barry's scheme just isn't working and it feels like... It feels like they are... It feels like Joe Barry's almost resistant to to 
almost too stubborn to go back to to what works if that makes sense i just think they're not aggressive enough i think they just need to play way more press coverage because it was so successful last year even when jaya went down it was so successful last year it's what eric stokes played at georgia it's what Razul douglas did so well at uh, you know when he came in and i just think offensively nobody can get open and i, I you know i it's an brian gutenkunst is an easy target right but it, it's you, I, I do think you have to you have to appreciate the window that the Packers had in terms of you know a, a superstar quarterback. You only have so many opportunities to win a Super Bowl, and two years ago they made the decision to, to draft Jordan Love instead of a receiver that they could have taken Brandon Ayuk. They could have traded up and taken Justin Jefferson. CD Lamb went at eighteen. You know the opportunities were there for a team knowing that the window was potentially closing. You know you look at the you look at the job that Harry Roseman's done in Philadelphia, pulled the trade for AJ Brown, for example. Now I'm not saying Miami are in that that caliber, but we pull the trade for Tyreek Hill, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's what teams who feel like they've got really good players do. And neither of those two teams, Philadelphia or Miami, were anywhere near the quarterback situation that the Packers had. But Green Bay decided to take a quarterback, and then they then allowed the best wide receiver in the NFL to leave. And I know there was a, you know, I know that there was an element of hero ball down the stretch in terms of Aaron always looking for Devontae, and that was no more highlighted than in the in the NFC Championship or in the in the divisional round when, you know, at the end of the game when he went deep to Adams and he had Alan uh, Lazard running wide open across the middle. But I just think nobody can get open at the moment. Uh, and Aaron has asked for the offense to be simplified. Matt LaFleur said, I don't really understand what he's talking about. Matt's, uh, Aaron said, you know, we need to stop running motions and those sorts of things. And Aaron's like, well, and Matt's like, well, that's not an issue or so it doesn't even seem like they're on the same page in terms of what they want and where they think they're going. And, you know, they, they ran RPOs really successfully earlier in the season and not just RPOs where, where that would freeze the linebacker, proper RPOs at the mesh point where Aaron would decide to, to keep the ball or hand off to one of the backs, controlling the end man on the line, which which enabled certainly um, Romeo Dobbs to get open because Dobbs obviously played a lot of counter um, counter RPO in, in, in that Nevada offense or counter zone RPO in that Nevada offense. But nobody can get open. And it's just, you know, they've sold their kind of soul, as it were. They're receiving soul for, for Christian Watson, who came from a run-first FBS school at North Dakota State, and, and expecting him to step up and, and be the guy. You know, Dobbs has been excellent, but he was a fourth-round pick out of Nevada. You know, this takes time. They're not running the ball the way that I expected them to do. You know, Matt LaFleur said Aaron Jones should get 20-plus carries a game. He hasn't had 20 carries or 20 touches a game. He hasn't had 20 touches in any game so far this season. So I, I just don't understand whether it's a, a philosophical thing. Uh, it, it just seems to be permeating through the heart. I don't think Matt is a bad coach. I don't think you, you do what you do over the last couple of seasons because he completely revitalized Aaron's game. I just think they're completely lost. And I think they just need to, you know, but when your receivers can't get open, that's a massive issue. Teams are playing much more cover four, which means that, you know, that the underneath is a little bit open and then it's opening up the running game. Yeah, they're they averaging six yards a carry in, in London last week, but towards the end of the game, the, the running game just didn't become a factor. I, I just, it, things don't look good in Green Bay. The flip side of that is that the Jets were excellent. They've got a yeah. load of really good young players all over the field. Quinn and Williams is playing at a, a defensive MVP level. Source Garden has been fantastic. Um, 
schematically right. Uh, source Ga- source Gardner and the uh, and the Cheesehead, by the way. The I know, excellent. I know you you've been, you've said some excellent uh, X's and O's points there, and really got deep into some of the actual on field issues. But just as a player who came into the league as someone who we thought fit the New York market beautifully, who just had that bit of energy to him, to just have a moment like that is going to put him down in Jets folklore for years to come, let alone for the rest of his career there or whatever it might be. Uh, and he's playing well as well, like you say. And then on the offensive side, obviously, they're getting huge performances out of rookies there as well. It's you know, it's it's coming together in New York. I'm not suggesting they're going to suddenly you know, go undefeated on the road and be a playoff team this year, but I don't think a lot of people had them four and two, particularly after the last couple of games. No, agree. And actually, the, the, the biggest issue is the quarterback position. You know, they're getting loads. Of, I'm not saying that he's Zach Wilson's been terrible, but, you know, if Zach Wilson all of a sudden starts picking up and really playing, that, that team could... That team could really go places. They've they've got some real talent on both sides of the ball. Well, first half he wasn't good. Second half he was slightly better. But got to remember he's been out for what the first four games of the season, wasn't it? And then all of preseason. So you know he's just growing into the season. Um, maybe he'll get better. Maybe the talent's there. Maybe you know we're a winning team and and you start getting on a roll and you're getting that confidence. And for a, from a Jets point of view. I hope he does get better, but um, it, it, you know, it's still up in the air, isn't it? It's worth, still up in the air. Worth plugging yes, Joe he, Douglas. Joe Douglas has done an amazing job of the last two yeah. drafts, and he got absolutely hammered up until the last two drafts. And he's delivered what Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, Mike, both Michael Carter's, Sauce Garner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall, Rucker, Max Mitchell, um, Michael Clemens. I mean, that you know. That's a pretty. That's a couple of grand slam drafts, even you know, six weeks into into the season. Um, so I think he deserves a whole world of credit. And you know, they are they are not far away from rounding into to real shape in a in a division that could you know, the FC East all of a sudden looks like you know a pretty strong division. I mean, the Patriots have done well to get back to three and three. Done so with a backup quarterback. Uh, you know, I'm a Dolphins fan. I would say this, but the Dolphins should be at worst five and one if if Tua hadn't got hurt. You know, they lost a game they should have won against the Bengals. Lost a game they should have won against the Jets. And then how they lost to the Vikings at the weekend, I completely inexplicable. And obviously, the Bills are you know the Bills are the team to beat in the uh, in the in the entire NFL. So it looks like a really strong division at this point moving forward. So um, so yeah, I am. Um, but I think the Jets are. I think the Jets are really good. Are the other Bills the best team in football right now? Because, yes, we'll talk about the Eagles. Because the Eagles, they go, they beat, uh, well, sorry, they welcome Dallas to their building. They beat them on Sunday night football. A really impressive first half performance, particularly from their cornerbacks. Like, I'd kind of forgotten how... Uh, their their defensive backfield felt like it was kind of flashy and full of names, but wasn't necessarily living up to billing. And you got huge games this week out of uh, James Bradbury had a huge game. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who they got obviously in that ridiculous trade with the Saints. How how the Saints didn't go, well, let's keep him for this year and even if we lose him, we get a third round compensatory. No, we're desperate to get that fifth round pick now. Like, it's absolute madness on that point. Darius Slay had a big game as well. You had guys like Brandon Graham making big plays. uh, You know, such a veteran in the second half. Like, they looked superb, but the Eagles have a real second half problem. Like they do these incredibly confident, your balls to the wall, going for it on fourth downs, being super aggressive, getting leads. And then the second half, like if you look at all their EPA stats, and if you look at everything that kind of indicates what they are as a second half team, 
they probably should have a couple of losses on the docket already, despite the fact that obviously they are the only undefeated team left in the NFL. And weirdly, they feel like the kind of team who their next real test in air quotes. Like if you look at their schedule, it's probably the Packers at the end of November. Like ah. they've got the easiest, they've got the easiest schedule on pretty much of anyone in the NFL this season with the divisions they've got outside of their division, etc. But they, to me, feel like one of those teams who at some point these second half issues are going to catch up on them and weirdly they're going to lose to the Steelers next weekend or to, you know, uh, the Texans or the Colts or someone like that rather than powering through like everyone's expecting them to. There's a lot to love about them. Jalen Hurts' improvement, particularly under pressure from year, from year two to year three, has been absolutely unreal. Uh, but yeah, I just I watched that second half performance and I could see the frustration starting to boil over from Eagles fans. And that was the difference for me versus Buffalo, who had a pretty complete performances. The turnovers were frustrating, particularly the early turnovers. But I, like I've made two separate points here. You're going to address the Eagles one, but the other one is how often does a third big contract turn out for like a Hall of Famer all pro type player where they sign that third big contract? And they're still playing like the best player in the NFL. Like so often they come in and they'll be like a middling player, but you're paying them 20, 25 million dollars a year. Von Miller was unreal against the Chiefs this weekend. He had the pressures on both of the three and outs that they had, not the three and outs, but both of the punts that they forced at key moments of the game. He had the pressure on the turnover as well of Patrick Mahomes. They moved him to the left and he was just sensational in the second half. Like, those two teams, very exciting to be right now. So I'm intrigued, and the question really is, I'll come to you first, Ollie. Who do you think, if they were to go head-to-head in a three-game series right now, who would take it? Oh, the Bills. And I think they'd take it 2 nothing and and walk away very happy, <laughs> not bothering with the third. I agree, I agree 100%. Um, I think it's, what you're saying about Von Miller is really interesting. Uh, the reason why he didn't stay in LA is because, he didn't feel necessarily as wanted. Uh, he obviously was going to get a big old payday somewhere else and LA Nest couldn't really uh, compete with that. But he's really bought into the whole culture that's around the Bills, that defence, uh, 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 the Bills head coach. Sean McDermott really, really instilling it in. Thank you, Simon, really instilling it into him. And I think everybody else in that organisation has, has bought into that. It helps when you've got, incredible characters and leaders especially in in Josh Allen who was outrageous again um uh, over the weekend uh I think they're a really exciting team and when you look at uh, when you look at the Eagles they remind me a lot of the Packers and over the last couple of seasons when they were good not this season um where they would go up big and allow teams to to come back into it but in the end sort of get away with with the win and it ends up it ended up uh, come going against the Packers in playoffs, etc. But I'm not sure the Eagles have got that in them. I think I think we'll see them f- take flight, as it were, but to elevate themselves and not allow themselves to to fall into into that mire. And if if they're doing that and they're six and zero and they've got the, the the poor schedule that they have at the moment, when it comes up against the, the better teams, maybe they've got though they'll have ironed those issues that you're talking about out. But um, I think the Bills are just along with the Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs would beat the Eagles in a two in a three game series, two to nothing. So um, that's nothing on the Eagles. I think the Eagles have just played against some very poor teams and very poor quarterbacks. I, I think the Eagles could go sixteen and 0, 17 and zero, whatever it is. This thing, if you look at their schedule and you just think. 
that there's not really a you know Green Bay is yeah the Titans yeah but there's there's not a team on there's not there's not a Kansas City there's not a Baltimore there's not a New England there's not a you know I'm not saying New England are the best team in the league but you know there's that's a team that could provide them with some difficulties there's there's not a team on there that you just think oh that's a you know they'd be favoured in every single game that you look at the rest of the way which I think is um you know, it, it is some statement, even though I don't think they're the best team in the league. I, I think in terms of Buffalo, I do think they are the best team in the league. I think what you're seeing as well from Buffalo is, is you look at their weaknesses, they're able to hide their weaknesses really well. And I would say their secondary is a not a strength, might not be a weakness, but it's not a strength. You are missing, you know, again, a top 10 corner in the league in Davis White, who's about to come back. You're missing one of the best safeties in the league in, in Micah Hyde. Jordan Poyer's been injured. Um, so it's it, it's um, but the scheme in front of them just works so well. Teron Johnson, Dane Jackson, the way they all play together. Kyrie Elam is playing well. Um, I think it'll be really interesting if they pull a trade either for Christian McCaffrey or Cam Akers um, before the end of the trade deadline because I think that Brandon Bean is very good at identifying weaknesses and the run game, I think, is a bit of a weakness. I just think if you're able to add a Christian McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy to that mix, I mean, that is, you know, that, that gives them a whole new dimension. Um, I think for the Eagles, the point, that the, the one player that I'd really like to mention is Jorsey Gardner-Johnson, who again is playing at an absolutely elite level. I thought he was an elite player in, in New Orleans in terms of his ability to play in the slot and to carry receivers down the field was extremely hard. But actually what, what Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator, is doing within this season is is almost revolutionary in that he's just doing way more work away from the slot. I think he played, uh, I was just looking just a minute ago, he played 80 snaps as a true single high safety in the last three seasons. He's played 198 snaps already just for the Eagles. And they're rotating him from a sort of true single high safety look into the slot and back out again, just showing his versatility, his ability to run the alley. He had two picks. He had the game-winning pick from the from his single high safety position. Uh, I think he's just an outstanding player. He just, you know, along with Bradbury, along with Slay, when you've got corners like that, but also look at those, look at their lines. You, know, you look at the players on both their offensive and defensive lines and you're just like, you know, when you can go Mylata, Dickerson, Kelsey, uh, Sumalu and uh, Lane Johnson at right tackle, but then you can bring in a Cam Jurgens or an Andre Dillard or a Jack Driscoll on the offensive line, and defensive line, Graham Cox, Hargrave, Josh Schwett, Jordan Davis, Milton Williams. I mean, those lines are just the absolute bedrock of everything that the Eagles do well. Uh, just uh, as I mentioned, I, and actually the one one of their weaknesses prior to this week, by the way, for the Bills was the run game. And Devin Singletree got going 85 yards, 17 carries. He was averaging about eight yards a carry through the first half. It regressed a little bit in the second, but Josh Allen ran the ball well. James Cook had a couple of decent carries as well. That might be more of a commentary on the Chiefs defense, who I think their front is underperforming right now. Like Carl after in the run game. Will, I just don't yeah. think that you want to rely on, you know, let's say that Gabe Davis gets injured and Stefan Diggs is, you know, is just being shut down by a number one corner. You just, which is, you know, is easier said than done. But, you know, you want to have that extra dimension. I just don't think you can consistently rely on Singletary and Moss to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I agree. I just think this is, and this is what I'm saying. It might be a commentary on the Chiefs because... I think Frank Clark is playing at nowhere near the level that we've seen him in the past. George Karlaftis has flashed a couple of times this season, but isn't landing yet. I know there's those edge guys, but then interior, like the 
the linebacker is arguably the big weakness of their defense. And so I think teams are going to be able to run on the Chiefs this year, which is exciting, to be honest, for all of us, because it means we'll get a lot of tight Chiefs games and a lot of Pat Mahomes getting the ball in his hands late. And a lot of, like, I don't see them blowing out teams this year in the same Just way. Just a lot of big scores on both sides, yeah. And I think that's fun. Uh, <laughs> was there any, uh, we kind of didn't actually come to you for a, what your point of the weekend, what your one snap thing you remembered from the weekend was, Simon, sorry. Was uh, there anything you did want to throw out no, there? nothing really that we haven't touched on. I was going to kind of do offensive futility, then I was going to do the Jets, and then I was going to do something else, but... They're all beautiful. They're all beautiful things Thanks, that buddy. we managed can I, to Can I very to quickly naturally. maybe jump on size then and ask you both a question about uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens? Yeah, please do. And, it, you know, the way that they lost that game, they led in all stats figures apart from the actual points uh, against the Giants. Um, any any worry at all for the Ravens and, and Lamar Jackson not being able to to put teams away? And maybe something on the Giants. Are the Giants actually all right? I, firstly, I just think the, the, the Ravens' inability to keep hold of a lead is yeah. has been the, the huge issue for them right now. Like they, they they were running the ball better than I think they have all season outside of Lamar. Kenyon Drake had a really good game. Um, J.K. Dobbins a non-factor in this one, but had a decent game last week. And so that that complimentary run game is starting to come in a bit for the Ravens. But they've given up those two huge leads at home in those two big come from behinds. And then they give up a lead again in this game, which I think the Giants deserve a lot of credit for it. You know, they get the interception, the fumble. They get those, those op- they make the opportunities from the turnovers. Kayvon Thibodeau, by the way, to see how emotional he was after the game about it. It was kind of beautiful to see uh, in, in a kind of really touching, but very manly way. Um, I kind of just think they got a little bit outcoached in this game in the fourth quarter, which is saying something when you've got John Harbour, who... It's a pretty good coach and has been for a very long time in this league. But Wink Martindale's scheme, a guy they know very well, threw some interesting stuff at them late on. And Brian Dable's just had a sensational time there. Like, I'm not worried for the Ravens, but I did expect them to have a couple more wins at this point. And they were in position to get them, Simon, and, and ended up dropping those points. Yeah, I think it's so interesting about the Ravens because they are essentially built for every single thing that they've fallen apart with in terms of we've always argued the fact that the Ravens are built not to be able to come from behind, that they're built to take a lead and then just defensively play well. I know the defense, the defense has struggled over the last year and a half really, but the way that offense is set up with the, the tight ends, with the getting the ball to tight ends, with the power run game, et cetera, et cetera. And I know there's been injuries at the running back position, but it, it feels like everything that they were set up to do that they, they've summarily fallen apart. At. I, I think there was some, late breakdowns on the offensive line. I think they're massively missing Ronnie Stanley, obviously, as you would. I think Lamar's played like an MVP, probably the MVP favourite, along with Josh Allen, really, for the for the first five, six weeks of the season in the first three quarters of almost every game. And then it's fallen yeah. apart for some, yeah. for some inexplicable reason. And I don't really know what it is. I, I, I think that the offensive line is one thing. But I also think that Lamar is, is an explosive passer, you know, and you're trying to nullify his what he does best by playing with three big tight ends and trying to, to control the clock because that's kind of not his game. He's got the ball just zings off his hand. He's got such an explosive uh, and powerful arm. And you look at the receiving core and when Rashad Bateman's down, you know, obviously I like Devin Duvernay, but, you know, they can't stretch the field. There's no Hollywood Brown anymore. You know, it's essentially, excuse me, it's essentially just a bunch of guys really behind, behind the top two guys. And Bateman's really struggled with a foot injury and stuff. And, 
you know, if it's just Duvernay and then you're looking at tight ends and James Prochet and this kind of thing, then, you know, you can roll a safety over the top when you're covering um, when you're covering Duvernay and you can sort of take him out of the game a little bit. And, it, and it's kind of what you'd hoped opposition, the opponents would do against the 49ers because in a way, Debo Samuel is sort of, you know, Duvernay and Samuel share some similarities. But obviously when you have Ayuk and, and Kittle and, and, and the, the threats out wide that you guys have got Jennings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's much more. It's much more difficult to, to to single up one guy like Salmon and try and take him out of the game. I know obviously Mark Andrews is there, but it's. I just don't think that they've invested enough in the receiver position. I thought they might be in for um, for uh, Robbie Anderson because I think he would have given them some sort of down the field ability, which would have taken the pressure off. But that's clearly not something that that they feel like they want to do, that Eric DeCosta wants to do. So, But to me, that's a massive issue that you can't, you know, when teams do stack the box, um, you know, in the fourth quarter and they're giving away leads, uh, you, you can't then bounce back with explosive plays because it kind of feels like you've lost the ability because you don't have the players to do it. So we talk about the NFL, but have you ever experienced the NFL in its natural state, live and in person? In America, surrounded by tens of thousands of screaming partisan fans after spending hours beforehand in the car park outside the stadium enjoying a cold beer, maybe one or two, as the smell of barbecue and tailgate food wafts deliciously through the air. If not, or if you have and you fancy doing it again, well, Touchdown Trips folks are the experts in creating amazing travel packages for your favorite NFL team. And when we say amazing, we mean it. The guys and the girls at Touchdown Trips put fans first and are passionate. The fans who book with them get a proper, unforgettable, and more importantly, a unique NFL experience. You don't just get tickets, but an authentic pre-game tailgate with local fans. College fan? You want to go to a college game? Stadium tour? Why not? As well as all that, they include flights from across the UK, they've got fantastic hotels, and anything else you may want to add, such as an NBA game, or an NHL game, or a local excursion, to create truly bespoke packages that are more importantly, at all protected, and up to bonded. So, if you're thinking of going to a game this season or next and just want to get in touch, give the team at Touchdown Trips a shout today at touchdowntrips.com. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash touchdown trips, or Twitter at touchdown trips. Touchdown Trips, you have to see it to believe it. Um, right, I'm going to ask about, we look forward, a little bit of a look forward to this week, but but just before we look forward to Thursday Night Football, we mentioned Robbie Anderson there. We'll get to him uh, with the Cardinals at the moment, whether he'll be good to go for Thursday Night Football, who knows? But uh, just one mention, we've mentioned Cam Akers' name a couple of times in this show already as a possible back that people could be trading for. You mentioned Melvin Gordon earlier on as well. We could see some player movement this week beyond Robbie Anderson. Saw some suggestions on Twitter last night. Melvin Gordon for Cam Akers just straight up. Cam Akers looks like more the kind of back that Denver need and Melvin Gordon looks like the kind of back that they need in LA. So maybe that's a, a solution uh, for the pair of them. But what what do you see? I just said in uh, Denver, didn't I? You know what I meant. Uh, <laughs> I always want to know if Michael needs me to do it again because, you know, otherwise he doesn't get his nice little clips for Twitter, etc. So you can just put my mistake online and I'll take the flack for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks. He's to me, Look, he's posting on the YouTube instead of sending us messages directly. Uh, say hello to Paul and hello to Lee and hello to everyone else who's been dropping us a line on the YouTube, by the way. Send us your questions if you want. Just very quickly, Cam Akers... Melvin Gordon, Simon, 
you know, those feel like two guys who need to move and quick. Yeah, I think like I mentioned Buffalo for Cam Akers. I think that the, there's a buyer beware with Melvin Gordon because the fumbling issues. I think Atlanta would be a really good place for a good landing spot for Cam Akers as well. Um, but to me, Buffalo just makes a, a whole world of sense because he didn't become a bad back overnight, you know. And, and I think I was reading on Monday that the strength numbers in his knee are, you know, he's a better, stronger, faster, more explosive player after the surgery than he was beforehand. He was great at Florida State. He's great out of the backfield with great hands. He was really good as a rookie. Um, obviously, came back back end of last season and was able to contribute down the stretch in the playoffs. Um, uh, and I don't know what the issue is. I don't know where it's gone wrong. Obviously, something's gone wrong. Whether it's hard coaching that he's not been able to take to, I, I don't know. Nobody's really. It's it's clearly not a you know a, an off, a traditional off the field issue. Um, so, but I, I can't see him being in um, being in Los Angeles much longer. But I think Buffalo just makes a whole world of sense. Yeah, I, I, I hate yeah. the idea of Buffalo trading for a CMC or for a Cam Akers. It's just terrifying. I mean, if you're Brandon Bean and you think the window is the window is right now for Buffalo, yes, Josh Allen's not going anywhere. He's not going to be around, but you know, contracts are going to happen. There's going to be big players that want big contracts. Whether that's you know, you will have. Do you want to keep Von Miller on? What's happening in the offensive line? Well, Gabe Davis is going to want a big contract. You know, the tight end is going to want a deal. What happens to the safeties? Who you know, all of those. There are going to be Matt, Matt Milano, uh, Tremaine Emmett. There are players that are upcoming that, that are looking for big deals. And I think you, you need to maximise the opportunity. They're clearly the best team in the league. Um, so why wouldn't you make use of that? Why wouldn't you just do everything that you could? Because you, you know it's not going to cost you a first round. It's probably not going to cost you a second round if I can make because it might cost you, depending on what the issue is, it might only cost you a fourth rounder or a fifth rounder. Why wouldn't you do that to just you know yeah. do whatever you can to get over the line? Whereas what do we reckon, Ollie? Compensation for McCaffrey. Lee Conley has asked that very question. The injury history is the only thing that's the knock for me, but two firsts? Yeah, I, the, the Panthers want multiple firsts, don't they? For, for, um, for a running back with, it, with, with injury history, it is, it is brutal. It is brutal. <laughs> I think also teams will see that they're trying to fire, fire sale and, and, and it will be like the when when Chelsea were got all of their money however however you want to say they got their money but when they got all of their money in the mid 2000s and you had the Chelsea tax which went up by 10 million or whatever you know Sean Wright Phillips going for 20 million it's the same in it's same here with the with the Panthers but reverse like they know that they need to that they're looking to rebuild and um that uh, that that the Panthers are looking for draft picks. Okay, you can only you can have one or two. Here's one because CMC's got injury problems. Um, so I think it's probably maybe a one. I think it's a one and and, and a th- and a three or something like that. But I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think uh, I, I think they'll they'll hang on. The man himself over watching our podcast, of course, uh, as every week, hidden behind me on the shelf. Me and Ollie Hunter both got those Christian yeah. McCaffrey bobbleheads while we were at that Stanford game. Stupid tree. Uh, what's <laughs> right? Thursday night football. Stupid tree. <laughs> Stupid tree. I hate that mascot. It is one of the worst. It's crap uh, tree, isn't it? What is? Uh, why do we have to talk about Thursday night football? Like, I want to pretend that it doesn't exist as an entity anymore. Although, actually, this week, you have to say, Thursday night football, plenty of intriguing intriguing storylines going into it. The Cardinals being a bit of a shambles. The Saints, you know, another opportunity by the wayside this past weekend. They could have and should have beaten the Vikings, probably. They could have and should have won this weekend and gave away a lead to the Bengals. But you do have to say, 
at least Thursday night football this week is better than Patriots Bears on Monday night football, Simon. I mean, nothing could be worse than Monday night football. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. But Thursday night, night football runs it pretty close. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is a man that couldn't win in college with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that tells you all that you need to know. He is. I mean, Cliff said this week that he was hoping to giving up the play calling duties if it helps us win. I mean, step away, buddy, because you you are you couldn't run, you couldn't run a high school offense. I mean, it, I am astonished that Cliff Kingsbury is coaching in the NFL let alone with that offense. It is embarrassing. I mean, embar- and if the Saints get outcoached by the Cardinals this week, then Dennis Allen and everybody else may as well just walk as well because that to me is, you know, it, it is one of the worst offenses I think I've ever seen in the NFL. It's so bad. It's so bad. If they hadn't given him the inexplicable massive contract extension, Cliff Kingsbury would be fired already. I, mean, I, I Like, surely he'd be already out of the door. I mean, Sean Payton must be looking at that job and thinking, well, I'd take that, you know, the, the chance to, to at least work with a Kyler Murray. Um, you know, I just, I mean, that offense, I, I, the spacing, the the route, the route combinations, I was watching some of them against Seattle and I was just thinking like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't love Kyler Murray at all, but I was thinking, you know, the ghost of Dan Marino, Joe Montana, and Tom Brady wouldn't be able to find open receivers in this offense. It's woeful. It's so bad. So, um, I mean, Thursday night, you could throw Thursday night and Monday night into the sea for all I care. So, Oh, I'm quite looking forward to, to watching the Saints <laughs> and, and the Cardinals. Um, mainly because I find the the way that Cliff Kingsbury... Uh, uh, well, I find bad, <laughs> bad head coaching when it's not my... Uh, my coach in the Packers. I find bad head coaching really fascinating and, and thinking, how are they, why, what, how are they doing this? What are they, what is their thought process in that particular play or that scheme or, or, and whatnot? Um, and you've always got, and it's the, it's the ghost of, or the legacy of Sean Payton on the other side in the saints where they do do interesting things. All right. Their, their personnel issues have been, prevalent this season with Michael Thomas not being able to do things, Jameis Winston being out and and then getting benched for Andy Dalton. He was a healthy scratch over the weekend. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen this weekend, whether Winston's going to suit going to be under centre or not. But um, uh, And then you've got the, the Alvin Kamara-Taysom Hill uh, combination, and which makes the, the Saints watchable and interesting. And on the other side, Cliff Kingsbury and the way he it seems to be an incapable head coach. So I think it's an interesting game. Uh, you're right. Monday Night Football is is really one for those teams that one for the those, purists. Ollie, isn't it? I don't think it's even one for the purists. I think the purists <laughs> would turn their nose up and go Justin Fields versus Bailey Zappi. No thanks. Can I just say, Will, before you before you wrap up, the Cardinals gave Kyler Murray two hundred and thirty point five million, right? And Kingsbury they gave him a massive contract extension through twenty twenty seven, and they've only scored they they haven't scored a touchdown in two of their last four games, and I just think that's that's such a damning indictment of everything that Cliff Kingsbury stands for offensively. Uh, you're absolutely right. You're completely right. And by the way, in the old comments, a lot of people say multiple firsts for Christian McCaffrey. You wouldn't even get that in a fantasy league. Uh, two firsts for McInjured. No, thank you. Like McInjured. 
Yeah. Like a broken burger from McDonald's. It's like, I, like I need to snap the head off just yeah, to exactly. rewrite Christian on the just, just in case you weren't sure who he was, there it is uh, lovingly written on the bottom for me. I do forget sometimes. Um, Christian, Christian McCasualty didn't get enough love. McCasualty, I love that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So funny. Uh, right, just very quickly, any uh, anything else from looking forward to week seven that anyone wants to highlight? Any game that just jumps off the page at you? Anything? It's not the greatest slate of games. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, well, quite... it doesn't it doesn't help when you've got the Bills and Eagles both on buyers this week. Um, so thanks for that NFL schedule. RIP everyone's fantasy teams. I think I think actually, and uh, looking at it, I think it's it's that a. One of the late games on Sunday involving your team, but it's all it no, involves. It involves Patrick Mahomes. So Patrick Mahomes uh, going to San Francisco. I think it'll be you know if if you get some people back, some some of those guys defensively back, uh, it'll be interesting because you know Mahomes going up against a good defense is always is always fun. But also on the other side of the ball, that Chiefs defense isn't that good. So maybe Jimmy G and George Kittle can can get it rolling again so that's kind of that's kind of interesting but you're right it's not the greatest of slates i'm looking for baltimore to put an absolute can whooping uh over the over the team that shall not be named um there's not a game in that early window that but, makes you think oh that's oh yay it. uh you know I, mean? I, I like giants maybe but uh, i mean that's a stretch Fol- the jags are gash but Falcons, Bengals, maybe because the Falcons are kind of a bit kind of ah the, the Falcons. I have to tell Falcons, you, Bengals, I, I think is, is the game that yeah, uh, it's, what, it's in Cincinnati. If it was in Atlanta, I'd yeah, maybe, but yeah. I think the, the Falcons will get a spanking. Their games have all been one-score games this year. They executed brilliantly on defense this weekend, and and Mar- Mariota played very well against, admittedly, a very very banged up 49ers defense. Who are going to be getting Jason Verrett back? Who are going to be getting uh, Nick Bosa back this weekend? Who are going to be getting Eric Armstead back this weekend? And probably more key than any of that, are getting Trent Williams back this weekend. So it's hopefully, a terrible slate of games across. Hopefully. Every 49ers Chiefs could be good if the if all of those people do make it back for San Francisco and it's in San Francisco and there's some hope for that game. Not hugely for me, I have to admit. I'm not expecting much against the Chiefs on this occasion, but yeah, with all those returns, maybe, maybe. Return of tour on Sunday night. That that's what is I'm it. That's yeah. good. That's good. But it return is the return of... of Mitch Trubisky, isn't it? It is because Kenny Pickett's in the concussion protocol. Yeah. I don't know now, but he certainly got concussed mm. the weekend. So, but the return and of tour is. Um, is will be a blessed thing to see. N- not the only return, of course, to Miami. No, no. Right, Flores back in Miami this weekend as well. And Steve so... Roth as well. What a confluence of storylines. Uh, <laughs> Steve Roth is the oh. men's this week as well. So he will be back in the building. So there we go. Calamity uh, will be happening. I tell you what, there's a couple. You know, Indianapolis, Tennessee. No. New mate. York, New York, Jacksonville. No. I'm. I'm Stop really. It, cl- I'm clutching your straws, but I'm talking myself into it. New York five and one, Jacksonville, an interesting team this year. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Jacksonville just lost to the Colts. I, I like my. Yeah, get out. You're right. Get my, out. Get to me. My, my belief in them went out the window pretty sharp this stupid, weekend. Stupid I'm sorry. Cats. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Broncos Jets. You know, Jets going four and zero oh in their last four games. I never want to see the Broncos on offense again. No, but, uh, uh, Bron- Broncos yeah, but need to to Robert Salah can't wait. 
Broncos need to bring me back in. For the moment, I they're, they're dead to me. Uh, Sorry, I'm sure they're going to bring you back in. They'll get a win over the Jets this weekend, and then they'll come over to London and, you know, be in fine form. Remember when that looked like the best London game on paper back in week one? All right. Gents, lovely stuff as always. I'm on 4% battery, so if nothing else is going to happen, uh, I'm going to be leaving either way. Uh, the By the way, Michael McQuaid is calling for Hackett to be fired next week if they if they lose to the Jets. So, see, there's, there's fun things. They're not going to they're not, they're not fire a head coach this early. They're only the bad wouldn't they? they're not. All, All right, right lovely. will be one and done. <laughs> Uh, and it's National Tight End Day coming up this weekend. Yes, Peter Liversedge. We'll get big Travis Kelsey against maybe a finally healthy George Kittle this weekend. That, there you go. There's where our intrigue is. There's where our fun is this weekend. Uh, love it. Guys, thank you so much. Always good fun. Thank you for those getting in touch. Loving this. The comments filling up more and more as people are getting used to it and getting interactive on YouTube. Now we're doing the show as live. So keep coming back every week. We'll answer listener questions. We'll have some fun with it as well. Ollie, Simon, enjoy the rest of your week. I'm sure there'll be plenty of WhatsApp fun to be had with that slate of games on Sunday. Otherwise, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show.